Welcome to Mehente on Air on WSGW with your host, Larry Rodate. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, mi gente, my people. I'm Larry Rodarte, your host here on Mi Gente Air. This is a new program, new public affair program on WSGW. And uh, we are going to be talking about Hispanic culture, Hispanic contributions, and uh, concerns for our community. And I just want to say I'm really thrilled. I am honored to be asked to be the host of this program and to have a continuing arm of uh, Mi Gente, the magazine, which uh, I've been publishing for the last 25 years in the community. So thank you uh, to WSGW and the higher-ups that have asked me to bring out this program for a different point of view and to encourage people to engage uh, from the Hispanic community more and to have a dialogue with uh leaders in the community as well as people throughout um, uh, our community and the nation that may want to uh, call in and interview and have a dialogue that is pertaining to our community that makes us a little bit more uh, present in our daily lives here in the Great Lakes Bay region. So I want to uh, start out by telling you a little bit about uh, Mi Gente and how it started. And um, in 1995, Many of you may remember uh, the Tejano singer Selena. If you don't remember her at that time, um, I'm sure that you have uh, got quite a dose of Selena through the last 25 years. In March of 1995, she was murdered by the president of her fan club, Yvonne Saldivar. And it, was, it, it just drew shockwaves throughout the Tejano world, um, even all the way up here in Michigan. And uh, why, why am I talking about that? Why am I talking about Selena, this Tejano singer who is leg- a legendary figure now? And it's because in her passing, um, that is what helped evolve Mi Gente uh, to be the newspaper first and, and now a magazine that is still being published 25 years later. And how that happened was um, many people who were fans of Selena during that time um, were devastated they were completely devastated. And I can only compare it to when John F. Kennedy, the president of the United States, was assassinated in 1963. And and some may say, oh, come on, really? You compare it to John F. Kennedy? But yes, that's how popular she was at the time um, for her fan base. And um, she was Mexican-American. She was talented. She was beautiful. She had a great uh, set of lungs, and um, it, it just was a, a great time for the Tejano music industry because it was growing in leaps and bounds at the time. You would see at some of the local record stores all these um, uh, Tejano artists coming to the forefront like they had never had before, and Selena was leading that pack, you know, and all of a sudden she is killed and murdered, and it just, you know, you got to remember this is at a time before social media, before the internet, 1995. And, um, you know, there was phone, everybody was calling from Texas, your relatives in Texas. I had a sister in El Paso, Texas, and uh, she was trying to get a hold of my parents, trying to get a hold of me. It just was like a huge, huge, uh, devastating event in our lives. And so um, I remember at the time there was a lot of misinformation surrounding Selena's death. Uh, people said that she was having an affair with the Tejano king, uh, Emilio Navaira, and that was untrue. Uh, they said she was having an affair with a Mexican doctor in Monterrey, Mexico, which was also not true. And um, they compared her, the secular media, I would say, 
um, in the report surrounding her death to Madonna, the singer from Bay City, which uh, love Madonna, you know, and uh, uh, but there was there, there was a comparison in maybe the way they dressed, but um, they said that Selena was the Mexican Madonna. And for those of us uh, who know that terminology, the Mexican Madonna, that's referring to Our Lady of Guadalupe, La Virgen de Guadalupe, you know, uh, the Virgin Mary. And so, you know, there was a lot of misinformation. And I just remember um, one of the things that got me so upset was um, shock jock, uh, Howard Stern, who said that um, she worshiped a velvet Jesus. And, you know, many within Mexican homes throughout the United States, we do have those velvet paintings, um, especially in those days in the 90s. Um, But, you know, she didn't worship a velvet Jesus. That was something that was kind of had some racial undertones and it just was wrong. And I think that just set off something within me that um, it lit a fire under me to say, you know what, we got to do something to to fight back in regards to those types of uh, those types of comments. And so I remember at the time, my fiance Lydia, uh, I was complaining to her. She was a huge Selena fan as well. And I just remember saying, you know, I should just start my own publication. And uh, her words simply to me were, why don't you? And you know, I was working at the time in Detroit for one of the big three auto suppliers, um, and I was uh, assistant to the president, and I was doing the company newsletter. So I had a little bit of familiarity with uh, putting out a publication, and uh, I just remember um, three months after Selena passed, we had our first issue of Mijente newspaper. And in those days, I was going to Kinko's, um, Kinko's Copier, uh, to rent their computers, their Apple computers that were new and innovative. And uh, we were doing cut and paste. We were doing cut and paste to bring forth this publication to the community. And on June 16, 1995, we had our first issue out that went like hotcakes with Selena on the cover. And it was uh, amazing the the feedback that we got from the community. And it prompted me to actually move back from the Detroit area, quit my job over there, and go full-time with Mi Gente, Mi Gente newspaper. And um, around 19, uh, no, in 2003, we actually uh, converted the newspaper into full-fledged uh, gloss magazine um, that we you see today. And uh, it's been a 25-year ride. And um, I wanted to bring in somebody here, uh, somebody local who was familiar with the beginning of Mi Gente, and uh, is also involved in media and in, in um, giving information to our community. And lo and behold, he's also celebrating 25 years as a radio uh, DJ at Delta Broadcasting. And uh, Mike Mendoza is with us today, who heads up the La Caliente show over at Dublin, uh, Delta Broadcasting Public Radio. So are you there, Mike? I am. Thank you, Larry, for inviting me to the program. Uh, you took me back with uh, with all the summary there of, of Selena, and uh, it opened up a lot of memories of uh, where I was the day I heard the, the news. Uh, I was on my way home from work, and one of the uh, local uh, English radio stations stopped and aired uh, Tejano superstar Selena Quintanilla Perez murdered in her hotel room. I had to pull over. I, I wasn't sure if I heard it right, and, and uh, yeah, it was. it's a day you'll never forget. Um, you know, the day Tejano music came to a screeching halt. I mean, 
it, it, you, like you said, it was devastating. It was it was beyond devastating. And, and Mike, 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 can you tell us a little bit about uh, the year before um, you got to see actually and meet Salino? Correct. Yes, I was going to come to that too. I was fortunate enough in 1994. I went to Toledo, Ohio, and uh, Salino was performing live with along with La Sombra. And so I got the chance, I actually got to meet her. I talked to her, interviewed her a little bit, um, took pictures of her on stage, as a lot of people got to see on, in your uh, publication uh, of uh, Selena's uh, 25th anniversary of her death. Um, I took those pictures, and I was glad to share them with you. Uh, to me, meeting her face-to-face, I mean, hearing her sing live was just a, a whole nother, she had a voice that just, even on a CD, I mean, it doesn't capture it until you see her live. You know, if you got to see her live, her, her voice was so strong and so clear, and, and her energy on stage was amazing. Uh, I don't know what else to say, but if you know, there's a, I'm sure there's quite a few people other than me that got to see her perform live here and there. But uh, that was a year, actually, about a year before her death, and uh, it, you just go, wow, you know, it's. I can't believe that happened, but and, yeah, and you know, it seems I like. Do you do you remember Mike the, the the enthusiasm that we as fans had uh, because she she was you know uh, going somewhere where nobody went before in terms of Mexican Americans uh, that were singing Spanish music at the time because she was looking to cross over into the English market. You know, do you remember that enthusiasm yeah. when when you actually saw her? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was. She was like she was breaking those barriers, you know. She was opening up doors for all the other Tejano artists, you know, trying to make it in that industry. And let's face it, when, when she did it, Tejano industry was not about the females; it was about the males. Correct. So to see this young, energetic uh, female artist come out of nowhere and say, "You know what? I can do this," and she did. You know, those barriers did not stop her; did not stand in her way. She went right over them, and. Uh, to see her, you know, she was just coming out with her Dreaming of You and all the English stuff, you know, that today you still hear played on the radio now and then. Uh, that was amazing. It was amazing to, you know, to think that this girl from Corpus Christi, Texas, did it, you know. She broke those barriers, and, and uh, her mission, honestly, her mission was accomplished to Tejano to Music, which I feel anyhow, because she did it, you yeah. know. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And you know, um, in 1997, they came out with uh, Selena the movie, and that uh, um, yeah. catapulted Jennifer Lopez to the star that she is today. That was that was her big breakthrough. Um, do you remember that time when we had the Selena the premiere of the movie in the Saginaw uh, area? Oh yes, it was. Uh, I I knew it was going to be big, but I didn't realize how big it was going to be. You know, at the time, and uh, yeah, it, it was emotional. It was, I mean, people were laughing, people were crying, you know, it was just, you look around and go, wow, um, this girl was amazing, you know, uh, just to see that was just, it, it was heartbreaking, but at the same time, uh, you felt good that that many people appreciated what she did and appreciated her life. Yeah, no. everybody who has um, seen her has fallen in love with her, you know, um, yeah. Tell me if you remember um, back in 1995 during that time, you know, when Mi Gente, the magazine, actually came out. You know, it was, uh, that was probably one of the, the best things anybody in this area could have done because you heard it all about it all, you know, in Texas and everything, but you brought it to Michigan, you know, the, the heartfelt uh, 
uh, that, that people had for Selena was, you know, it came right out of here in Saginaw. And uh, to see that publication come out, you know, and the pictures and the stories, and uh, it was it was amazing. It, hats off to you and Mijente, and still doing a good job with everything you're you're bringing out to the community. And here that, we are, awesome. and here we are, twenty five years later, with Mijente on air. You know that that's really something. Right. But you know, I I want to tell you, Mike, I, I you're you're like a giant to me in the community for what you've done with La Caliente Show for over twenty five years now. I think this is going on your twenty sixth year, right? And, this, it'll and, be my 27th in January. Yeah, yeah I, I have to. Years. I have to applaud you for that because you have been uh, the soundtrack to many of our lives here in the Great Lakes Bay region with that music and bringing Tejano to the forefront. Um, because we we haven't had a Tejano really. We haven't had a Tejano station in the area. You know, and we're still FM. You know, yeah, we're we're online now too, but we're still on the FM radio dial. To me, that that means something as well. Right, you know, especially for our older community who don't get on the internet and don't, you know, they can still turn on the radio, and, and there we are on Saturdays, you know. And let, let me let me just share this with you, Larry. You know, after twenty some years, you know, you kind of sometimes, you know, you go in there and you're, you're not ready to do a show, and and but the music gets you going. And uh, I didn't realize. I guess I, I was kind of losing touch with with my my audience. But during this pandemic, you know, I was essential. I was still allowed to go in and do a show every Saturday. Well, then I took it a step farther. One day after I got home, I wasn't ready to stop playing. So I, being a DJ, what DJ doesn't have their old equipment in their basement, you know? <laughs> I have a whole full setup now. That's so I got, you know, I, was down, I hooked my laptop up and, you know, and I'm not going to lie. I, I, I cracked a beverage and, you know, I started playing music and, Oh, heck, I turned on some DJ lights I had down there. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go live. So I put a little blurb on Facebook, getting ready to go live from my basement, tune in. By the second Saturday, I had over 400 people logged into my wall and 37 shares. That many people, it went out that fast, you know. Hey, Mike's going live on Saturday nights. People were just coming to my wall and leaving dedications and thanking me and going, wow, this is awesome what you're doing. So what it was is that basically I started a virtual club party online. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it just it exploded. You know, um, well, well, your name, your name, it, other people, your name itself uh, uh, leads to that, and and let, let's talk about that a little bit. They call you El Wedo Man. Why is that? El Wedo Man. <laughs> well, it's not because I'm so dark skinned, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> Uh, I, I, we talked about this before. Actually, a compadre of mine came up with that uh, one day. Uh, they've always referred to me as Wedo since a kid. You know, my grandpas, my grandmas. You know, Wedo, Wedo, You know, and, and uh, one day we're at my compadre's house, and uh, I don't know. I made a comment or a joke or something, and uh, he kept saying, "We got to come up with a radio name for you." You know, I don't know what I said, but he said, "Wedo man, you're crazy." And he looked at me and goes, "Hey, Wedo man." You know, so I started using that on the radio and. I, to this day, I'll meet people like, you're the Weddle Man, right? Yeah, I'm the Weddle Man. Okay. So what's your first name? <laughs> <laughs> it sure stuck. It sure stuck. Weddle Weddle Man, yeah. And let's tell our listeners what Weddle actually means. Well, Weddle, a very light-skinned Weddle, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Mike is probably the lightest-skinned uh, Latino <laughs> that I know in the community. Almost, um, if you will... Um, Blonde, you got blonde hair, right? Even blonde hair and yeah. um, and very, very What's sensitive, light skin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah. 
but yeah, uh, you know, and, and you know, growing up, my my grandpa used to tell me he used to say, "Mira, si cuando cuando crezcas tienes que hablar español para que cuando la gente te mira no se van a olvidar de ti." And that's true. You know, people go, "Wow, where the heck did you learn to speak Spanish?" You know, from my grandma and grandpa, my mom and dad. We were brought up speaking Spanish because our grandparents didn't speak English. Right. You know. Right. And, and it, you know, as a kid, you're like, man. But now I look back, going, "Wow." I am so glad that that was instilled in me, you know, your heritage, your language, you know, and uh, let's face it, there's a lot of people our age who don't speak it, you know, yeah, or speak yeah. it that's a, not that, very well. That's another, a whole other show here on Mi Gente on Air, because You're right. <laughs> believe me, it's, it's something that we we talk about so much even to this day, you know, those of us that yeah. um, are living here and, you know, we our parents were told not to teach your kids Spanish in school. So, I mean, that, that's a right. whole other topic. But tell me something, Mike. You, as uh, somebody who has been in on air, you know, all these years, 26 years, what, uh, what would you tell someone like me who's starting out on air? You know, um, I got a lot of good advice from a very good friend that's well-known in the community as well, Mr. Luis Herrera Flores. Mm. And Luis always said, before you say anything, it's got to come from your heart first, right? Before it comes from your heart, you know, you got to think about it before you before you open your mouth and say anything. Luis always tell me that. El corazón primero, you know? Exactamente. And I took that to heart, really, you know? You, you know, you, you, have to, uh, you have to feel the compassion for what you're doing, you know? And I mean, you've proven that over the years just with your magazine. So now for you to bring it to the forefront and bring it to radio, that's amazing. That's awesome. So, you know, just always plan ahead. You know, sometimes your best shows are ab-libbed, but it doesn't always work that way. So, uh, you know, always have something, you know, that you want to talk about. Have, you know, you can't just ab-lib everything. you gotta have got to have a plan, you know. You know, even if you don't write it down, you got to, you know, on my way, I had to go out to Saginaw to do a, a, a voiceover. On my way out, I'm running through my head, okay, you know, what, what are we going to talk about? You know, I, I'm not just going to go totally blind on this and, and say, all right, Larry, you know, throw it out there. You know, I, I gave it some thought, you know, and I knew Selena was going to be on, on the forefront. So, you know, I was thinking about my time down to Toledo, Ohio, and meeting her and everything. So, you know, I gave it some thought before before we, we actually did the interview. So, you know, you got to have some sort of game plan. That's all. Yeah. As simple yeah. as that. And, and, you know, you mentioned uh, Luis Ere Flores, and I, I just want to uh, mention to our um, listeners uh, just to say a prayer for Louis. You know, he, he's uh, yes. been um, sick for, for a, a little bit of a long time here now, and uh, we're just hoping the best for him that he recovers. And uh, I don't think that um, his family would have any problem with us mentioning that because uh, they're, they're asking for prayers. But he's such an icon as well in the area in terms of DJing. I think it was on WSAM way back in the... 70s and 80s, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Sunday yeah. morning, getting ready for church, we would listen to Luis Herrera. You know? Yeah. Also, oh, on the yeah. New Year, the New remember the New Year's program he would always have yep. New Year's Eve. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, right. you yep. you guys you guys are giants to me in terms of uh, you know when they when they use the term standing on the shoulders of giants, you and uh, Luis Herrera is, <laughs> and uh, I think there's a few other ones, but um, you guys yeah, stand in the, in the forefront, you know. So thank you for all that you, you know have done. And I'll honestly say, I still enjoy what I do. You know, like I said, there's some days where you go in there and you're tired. You had a long week. I start playing the music. And now being live and live on Facebook, I feed off of that, too. You know, the comments, the, hey, what, oh, you know, we're listening. We're listening from California. We're listening from Texas, Ohio, you know. That that kind of, you know, it feeds your, your ambition and your enthusiasm, you know. So 
doing that and finally getting Delta to come on board with streaming has made a world of difference. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, absolutely. And and we also have um, you know, online uh radio programs as well. Um Min- yeah. The Midwest Tejano Radio is also online, you know, with Louis Garcia and uh, Sonny Absolutely, Frank yeah. Riddell. So I mean, you know, you know, we're coming, we're coming a, a long ways from um, those days uh, when Mijente actually did start um, in 1995. But you know, it's it's amazing that we're here today. Um, you know, and you know, I bring up the idea of how it started with Selena, of course. Um, and right. here we are, 25 years later. This girl is like. Um, uh, she's a legendary figure because now uh, not only do the Tejano or the Mexican-Americans know of her, but the United States uh, and in the world know of her. And we're at the cusp of her becoming even bigger because uh, Netflix is now having a program. Selena, the series is starting December 4th, you know, so that's that's another uh, another event that's going to just bring her into that legendary status um, 25 years yeah. after her death. Can you believe that? You know, I, it's, it's funny. I, I worked for the school system and, uh, talking with a lot of my kids last year, they caught wind because of one of our Spanish teachers. And I actually went into her Spanish class and I took some pictures of, with, of Selena with me. And, and I just did a little, uh, tribute to her and I told them, you know, her story and a lot of them knew who she was, but a lot of them were just blown away that I had pictures that I took. Yeah. You know, they're like, wow, you met her? <laughs> yes, I did, in 1994. And they were just, you know, so after that, they'd see me in the hallway. They want to talk more about her. You know, what else can you tell us? And You know, and it, it's really, it's it's cool that her legend will live on forever. I don't think anybody will ever forget who Selena was or is, you know. It, yeah. And and a, she was still touring. Yeah, and a new generation you know? of fans is going to be coming about as a result of uh, this Netflix series. So hopefully uh, we can Absolutely. maybe get one of the, the stars of that on, on Mi Gente on Air, you know, in the, com- in the coming yeah. months. So. Wouldn't that that would be nice. Yeah. 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 So you Absolutely. know, you know, she she has her wax figures over at Madame Tucson Museums uh, in New York as well as in California. And I hope I said that right, Madame Tucson. I always say it wrong. <laughs> uh, but um, and you know, and then she she has just um, thrived in terms of um, you know still actually uh, getting awards that you see. You know that uh, yeah. her family um, is accepting on her behalf now, and you know of course. Um, in March of this year, they had um, the 25th anniversary show uh, or celebration that they were going to have down in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. Yeah. Um, and I bought tickets for that. They were like 300 bucks. It was crazy. But oh. they, they were selling out uh, crazy for that anniversary show with all these Tejano stars and Latino stars. And then COVID came. And um, yeah. it was all canceled. So all these celebrations that we have this year, and I'll go into that a little bit more in the program, um, you know, have been canceled and all. But um, it's just amazing that uh, Selena, Selena Quintanilla Perez has evolved into this big star that I don't think any of us knew. We knew she was going to be big and we knew she was going to cross over and she was right. probably going to be something like a Jennifer Lopez. But I think she's huge in the way that she's looked upon now as uh, a latino icon so you know i think yeah. i think you and i and uh, all the fans around here were just thrilled to, uh, actually to see that so i just want to thank Absolutely. you mike for uh being on air mi gente on air with us and uh we're gonna go cut to commercial real soon and uh just thanks so much mike for doing what you've done thank you all these years yep. yeah and um you know we we have to continue to be that uh the voices in our community 
Right. So, yep. so thanks Absolutely. so much. I appreciate you having me. All, All right. right. You have a good day. You too, Mike. Take care. So, uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about what, uh, uh, you know, how Mi Gente has evolved into uh, these last couple of years and months into uh, Mi Gente on Air. And uh, we're really excited about that. And uh, we're excited to share this story uh, from my perspective as publisher editor of Mi Gente and now uh, host of Mi Gente on Air. So, tune back in. Thank you. You're listening to Mejente on Air on WSGW. We'll be right back. Now back to Mejente on Air here on WSGW. Welcome back. Welcome back, Mejente on Air. I'm Larry Rodarte. I am the host of this new public affairs program, and I'm thrilled to be here. And I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, you know, we, we just came off uh, the air with Mike Mendoza. And, you know, Mike is known throughout the community as Weddle Man. And one of the names that I have, I guess, received uh, throughout the years is Mr. Mijente. As, along with other names, uh, I'm sure. But um, Mr. Mijente came about as a result of me being the publisher editor of Mijente Magazine. And, uh, you know, Mike talked a little bit about uh, having a passion. And I went to Michigan State University. I graduated with a clinical laboratory science microbiology degree all way back in the 80s. And um, I had a minor in communications. And uh, in around 1990, I went to Specs Howard Broadcasting School and learned a lot from uh, that great institution in Southfield, Michigan. And uh, I was thrilled that I, my first job outside of uh, Specs Howard um, was with the AAA Traffic Network. And I would uh, broadcast uh, traffic reports throughout the state of Michigan, up in the UP, as well as uh, in the Lower Peninsula. And that's where I kind of... Uh, uh, toned in on my communication skills, um, and this is all before mi gente. So I had that little bit of background in broadcasting, and, um, you know, they, they taught you old school at Specs Howard in those days, you know, um, with reel-to-reels and how to splice and all the different um, avenues that you were to utilize in, uh, in broadcasting. And it seems like a lifetime ago, but... Um, it was in 1990, so I guess that is <laughs> to some people. But um, we then, you know, went into doing uh, Mi Gente uh, as a result of the, like I talked about the death of Selena. But I found that, you know, working in the hospital setting, I was working at Henry Ford Hospital, actually, along with doing the AAA traffic network. And I found that I was always looking at the clock from 9 to 5 when it, when 5 o'clock was coming. Um, and I was uh, finding out that I preferred communications better than working in the hospital and you know it was, it was a tough time this is in the in the 80s when the HIV scare was uh, very much um, a real a real thing a real scare and uh, so I started uh, you know looking for a career more in broadcasting and uh, also in um, print media and lo and behold um, I got an internship at the Saginaw News and I was working uh for Paul Chafee, who was the editor at the time, and um, 
learned a lot there at uh, the Saginaw News, and I was there when the newsroom was really a newsroom. I mean, just like in the in the movies. And what comes to mind is the movie um, The President's Men, um, you know, where, you know, there were people like Janet Martineau and uh, a number of different great reporters um, that I learned from, and uh, I give uh, kudos to them because uh, I was just this young uh, kid who came from Detroit, from a very diverse population in Detroit, to Saginaw, Michigan, back to my hometown. And it was a little bit difficult um, because uh, I felt uh, in a way that um, my community was um, a little bit back in time. I felt like Saginaw was still set in the 60s and 70s in terms of diversity in the community. And, you know, like I said, coming from Detroit, and um, I was doing some volunteer work for El Central newspaper, which was a Hispanic publication in the Detroit market, but it also was distributed statewide. And I remember um, just coming back to Saginaw and saying, wow, you know, we've got a long way to, we got, we got some work to do here in Saginaw. And so um, the, I just remember thinking that um, in the Saginaw news, the only time you really saw uh, Hispanic surnames was in the crime logs. Do you remember in those days, the crime logs that they would have in the Saginaw News, um, where they would list with somebody who was arrested, and um, I just thought, man, there's got to be something different. So that was part of the reason why I was uh, hired into this internship to bring about um, a voice uh, for the the Hispanic community in Saginaw. And you know, here I am, what, 25 years later, 26 years later, um, doing that here on WSGW with Mi Gente on Air. So I'm, I'm thrilled to do that. I know that there's a reason. I've got a lot going on in my life, actually, um, you know, with Mi Gente, the, the magazine. But I know that there's a reason, and I know that it's it's important that we have this voice and that we're sitting at the table. And, um, you know, I think that was part of the reason when I uh, initially talked with Dave Maurer um, from WSGW was about bringing that dialogue to uh, the community, bringing a different point of view, uh, a Hispanic point of view, somebody who's engaged very much within the community and incur and to just encourage people to engage. So I hope that with this program that we are going to get a number of different people who want to call in or who may want to be a guest on the show because there are a lot of people doing great things that are falling through the cracks that sometimes they don't get any recognition and not that they're looking for it, but I think that others need to be more aware. And I'm not talking just about uh, our Hispanic community. I'm talking about the greater Great Lakes Bay region community. And one of the things that I have done, uh, and I, I hate to say I, you know, um, and excuse me for that. Uh, I work with a nonprofit organization called La Union Civica Mexicana, which is um, the longest serving civic organization for Hispanics in our community that started back in 1945, believe it or not. So this year in 2020, um, we had plans. We had plans to celebrate 75 years of this nonprofit civic organization serving Saginaw. And, of course, with COVID, all that kind of went out the window. Um, but I want to bring that to the attention of the listener, uh, the Union Civica Mexicana. Many are familiar with it um, outside of the community because um, we make uh, great food there. We make uh, patitos and manudo and um, some of the other good tostada uh, recipes that are very authentic. Um, 
But the re- the reason I'm bringing it up is because uh, in 2010, the Union Civica Mexicana um, started a, um, what we have called the Adelante Awards. Adelante is a term that means um, go forward. And um, we devised that um, program, if you will, uh, to actually celebrate the contributions of Latinos in our community. When I talk about um, people who have fallen through the cracks, we're talking about people who have um, dedicated their life to their profession or their career and have never been um, honored or, or given recognition for some of that work. And we're talking about people in the 60s like um, Josephine and Felix Gallardo of El Gallito Restaurant um, or the El Faralito family um, that started out on Washington near the Gray Iron Plant, and as well as um, you know some of the other restaurants and people like Louis Ere Flores that was a DJ, very well known in the community. So we started these uh, Adelante Awards um, to bring that recognition, and, and we have a big awards ceremony program that's out at the Dow Event Center, and um, it's gone really well for the last 10 years. Um, and this is the first year after 10 years that we're not doing it because of COVID, um, and hopefully we can bring that back in 2021. But Part of uh, what evolved from those Adelante Awards was also something very important and dear to my heart, and that was the Saginaw Hispanic Hall of Fame. And you ask why, you know, why the Saginaw Hispanic Hall of Fame when we have um, the Hall of Fame of Saginaw that is, um, you know, run through the Saginaw Historical Society? Well, you know, no knocking them, but after 50 years of celebrating Saginaw prominent prominency uh, in people within the community. I think they're at their 55th year this year, um, and they also canceled because of COVID um, this year. But after 50 years, they hadn't uh, honored a single Hispanic. And I just thought that was in a little bit off, and I felt that we needed to do that within our own community. And we have since uh, 2014, and we got about, oh, 10 different recipients, and we tell their stories through video and through marketing and um, it's important. It's important to bring that awareness uh, to the community. And like I said, not just Hispanics, but to the greater community so that um, there is that different point of view. Hispanics have been in the Saginaw area since 1919. In the, in the Polk um, Digest, um, I have seen where those names, um, those were some of the first uh, Latinos, Hispanics that had come to this area. And it was in 1919. Um, my grandfather, Jose Vidias, graduated from Saginaw High in 1928. He was the first uh, Mexican to graduate uh, in, uh, from Saginaw High, a Trojan. And he was very proud of that. And we have his diploma um, within our family. And so um, Hispanics have told their stories for a number of years. And it's not like we have just come here in the 60s. And um, thank God, um, you know, for President John F. Kennedy, President Lyndon B. Johnson, who were so adamant in regard to the civil rights movement, as well as the uh, Fair Housing Act, as well as the voting rights. Um, You know, all these things that had kept people of color down, um, you know, had come forth to fruition in the 1960s and you know it's kind of um 
ironic that we kind of uh, talk a little bit about that in this time in 2020 and, uh, you know, going through what we're going through now as a nation. Um, so I really applaud um, WSGW for bring, giving me the opportunity, if you will, to have this voice um, to have more dialogue, like they said, and to encourage people to engage because it's really important. And, you know, I, um, I recently lost my father uh, September 25th, and I had sent a press release on uh, from Mi Gente, I believe, to uh, the radio station in regard to his passing because it was important for me um, to see that uh, my father... Um, was giving, uh, given uh, his due because of who he was in the community. And, and, you know, he was a very humble man and didn't um, get involved too much with the community. But by his career with Rodarty Builders, um, you know, he and my uncle started building homes in 1957 at a time when um, housing in the area um, was aging and we had a huge popula- a much greater population of people in the Saginaw area. I think in the 1960s, it was like a hundred thousand. Um, and now we are half of that, but, um, you know, they built hundreds of homes, maybe thousands, um, in their career as well as apartment complexes. And I sent that press release. He died, uh, at the age of 89, um, had a great life, had a, um, a, a wonderful life in the end career being that he was a migrant worker from Texas and came to Saginaw at the age of 10. And, with no education um, in terms of higher education, he, he did go to school to the, the third grade. Um, he and my uncle, you know, they picked up hammers and they built the first home out of a need of having uh, hunger and, and, and trying to feed their young families at the time. And they built a home for uh, a man who owned a grocery store in the area and he paid them back with groceries. Um, so they truly were uh, a success story in the American dream. Uh, immigrants, migrant workers, um, their fan, their parents came from Mexico and, um, you know, they came via, a, um, a dump truck to be, uh, migrant workers who worked in the fields. And both of them actually did get jobs with the plants within, um, the Malibu and the gray iron plant and, um, wanted to, um, see if they could make uh, a success out of their hands and skills of being builders. And they were, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of like the legacy of that. I'm the the American dream of that because you know, Dad put me through school at MSU and gave me the opportunity to, um, you know, be a writer, be uh, whatever I wanted to be in the '80s, and um, I'm very I'm very proud of that. And so, you know, I think with sending that, uh, why I'm telling you all this, and sending um, at WSGW and Dave Mauer that press release, I think there was. Um, a, a sense of wait, well, wait a minute. You know, we can um, maybe gather some information from uh, Larry, who, you know, I'm involved with the Union Civica Mexicana. I'm involved with the Adelante Awards. I'm publisher of Mi Gente magazine. And, and believe me, I'm not saying any of this because I want recognition. I am. I feel very humble, and I have never discussed a lot of this to this extent, um, just because I don't want the recognition sometimes that comes with that. And being publisher of Mi Gente magazine, um, there has been some incidences where I would rather not discuss. But, um, you know, it's, it's for the most part in the last 25 years, it's been great. And I hope that um, Mi Gente on air, this new program, this program um, that can be another voice for our community, can be something that is very positive uh, for everybody. Um, 
and you know to bring the awareness of some of the cultural contributions that we as Latinos are bringing to the Great Lakes Bay region is very important. Um, it's not just about Cinco de Mayo. Uh, the Union Civica Mexicana is the organization that has put that on for over 40 years with a parade, the largest parade in the area, actually. Um, you know, I'm very proud of that. And um, there is just this awareness, I think, that needs to be more out there because it can't just be about our food. And I know that everybody, well, not everybody, but most people love Mexican food. And, um, you know, it can't just be about our food. There's so much more that we uh, can, can contribute. And I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, like we mentioned, that Netflix is bringing out Selena, the series, and you're going to get a real good dose of that Mexican culture, the Mexican-American culture um, that I'm talking about here. And uh, along with that, you know, we just came off of um, Dia de los Muertos, another uh, Mexican culture holiday that um, has really grown because of the movie Coco from Disney. And so many young kids love that movie. Um, you know, whether you're black, brown, or white, it really resonates, you know, with um, our eternal life in terms of um, how they depicted that through Disney. So, you know, I'm, I'm just really um, humbled and I'm really uh, thankful that um, Mi Gente on Air is going to have the ability to bring some of those cultural significances out in our community. And I hope that you will listen. I hope that our community will get behind this. And um, I just want to, um, you know, make sure that it's not just me talking, but we're going to hear from a number of different people uh, encouraging that voice, encouraging people to engage uh, so that there is more of a greater awareness, just like we uh, tried to do with the Adelante Awards, you know, uh, telling the stories of people who have contributed immensely in our community. You know, one of the great stories th that we did tell and we did um, promote, recent, promote recently was the Alberto Vargas story. You know, Vargas Tortillas um, got some national recognition um, when uh, uh, one of the basketball players, um, help me out with that. Who was the uh, um, Day Day? Um, I think it was name right now. <laughs> I know my mind just went blank. Uh, was green. You, and I said, wow. uh, you know, he talked about um, the taco bread over at uh, Vargas Tortillas over there uh, uh, in the city of Saginaw, and um, he uh, said that on a national news program, and um, that spoke volumes of what the Vargas family has contributed to the area with those uh, corn tortillas. You know, they've celebrated 50 years and got recognition through the city of Saginaw. So that was a beautiful thing. Unfortunately and sadly, Mr. Vargas passed away in August of this year. And uh, But his family is continuing on. And that story um, is a beautiful story of the American dream as well. And so um, to all our listeners, maybe um, we can have one of the uh, Vargas family members come on and talk on a show just on that. Because that Vargas tortilla, uh, people are having that scent. You know, throughout the United States, um, I've even heard, you know, uh, to some of the um, the veterans or veterans, the soldiers in Germany, uh, they're that popular. And I know that, you know, if you try to make an enchilada with any other tortilla besides the Vargas tortillas, you don't have too much luck because they fall apart. But Vargas um, is is a, a staple in our community. And so um, it's uh, quite a story that we uh, highlighted through the Adelante Awards. 
And um, condolences to the Vargas family for the passing of their father. And uh, what a story he had. And I remember sitting down with him for Mi Gente magazine as well so many years ago. And just the, the character and the laughter that we experienced only continually made the passion for me to tell these stories um, it, you know, it grew even in, even greater. So um, that's where I am. That's where um, I, as uh, the host of Mi Gente on Air, brings to the table. And um, I really hope that uh, we get people who are encouraged to ask questions, even from uh, our non-Hispanic community, um, that may have a question about our culture. Or they, uh, you know, one of one of the big things we're, as we're going now into December. November, late November, December, we're, we're heading into tamale season and um, you can get tamales year round. But during the Christmas, uh, the holiday season, even Thanksgiving, tamales are a huge thing. And uh, for years, um, I have made tamales with my family. Um, I can remember being five years old, making tamales with my grandfather, where he used a pig's head in a big olla, in a big pot. Um, where you boil the pig's head and then you take the meat from that, um, use it, utilizing even the eyes, believe it or not, um, and the tongue especially. Um, it's like a delicatessen uh, piece of uh, meat, and uh, they would use that in tamales. Um, for the most part today, they don't. They use more of the pork butt. But um, there are so many uh, families um, that get these uh, tamales through the Christmas season, um, that are not Hispanic anymore. Um, and we at the Union Civica Mexicana had the tamale taste off in early December. And we started over on the north side at the Union Civica at the hall at 2715 Wadsworth. And, you know, it just continually grew. We had a taste off of different culinary experts who make tamales. And uh, it grew so much that we had to move to a different location. And we happened to move over to uh, the township over on State Street, and we drew over a thousand people. It was just incredible to us that so many people came and they loved tamales. And we had winners every year. We had celebrity judges, and we had everybody. We had the People's uh, Choice Award, and it was such a great event. And uh, I know Sheriff Feathersfield was one of our judges. Veronica Horn from the Chamber of Commerce, um, just. Uh, it was a feel-good event that really shared in our cultural uh, culinary uh, dishes, not just tamales, but that was that was mostly the highlight. And um, unfortunately, we're not having it this year again because of COVID, um, but hopefully next year um, we can bring that back. Um, and I think that it's um, something that uh, a lot of uh, Americans um, across the nation are also finding out more and more, but one of the things that people need to realize is that you can't eat the husk. You have to take the corn husk off and then eat what's inside. If you eat the corn husk, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. But I've seen many who have done that. So that's part of bringing that awareness, that culture, that uh, knowledge to the table that we will share about um, as we go into tamale season this year. And so if anybody wants to uh, sit down and talk and have a conversation about that with me. Get a hold of me uh, because that is something that is interest to everybody, I think, at this time. So, you know, I am thrilled to be here with Mi Gente on air to be your host. And again, I'm Larry Rodarte. 
Now, I know that many know me in the community as Larry Rodarty or Larry Rodarte, uh, you know, with the connection to Rodarty Builders. Um, but the actual way you pronounce my name is Larry Rodarte. Rodarte, rolling those R's. And um, I do not speak Spanish fluently. I am a product of uh, the assimilation of my parents here in Bridgeport Township. But I am happy to learn and I'm happy for to be corrected at any time. Uh, but I'm going to help everybody uh, get through that process as we uh, learn more about our Hispanic culture, our Mexican traditions, as well as the Latino traditions um, throughout the area. So thank you for listening today. Thank you for uh, engaging with me, Mike Mendoza, and bringing to the table a different point of view with Mi Gente on Air. Signing off until next time, I'm Larry Rodate. <laughs>